0: How's everybody this morning? Mm-hmm. Three or four of y'all doing good. Uh, I'm not gonna preach for long this morning because if I do, y'all start throwing stuff at me. Yeah, but I'm, I, this is my might like, stuff thrown at me. I don't know. No, uh, no. I um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk this morning about dealing with offense. It's going to be a lot of, it's gonna be a lot of fun, George. You can go ahead and turn this down because I know i don't I don't really need the thing that's what, yeah, yeah, you picking up on it. I got you, okay No, I ain't scared. I mean, it'd be all right. y'all throw stuff at me if you want to. I've been hit by a lot of things in my life. I wasn't a very good person. <laughs> But, you know, we live in a world of the perpetual offended. Everybody's offended. And everybody finds, we, listen, we have invented ways. We have invented way, we have invented words to be offended by. I'm being dead serious. We have literally invented words and added them to the dictionary so somebody could be offended. I hear, I hear so people, people say things and I'm like, that's not a thing. That's not actually a thing. You made that that word up. I mean, listen, I was not a great student, and I was not the smartest kid in my school, but I was pretty well versed in what words were words and what words were made up. (laughs) So I always used to lose at Scrabble. That's not a word. Sure it is. Use it in a sentence. But we've made up words to be offended by. And see, here's the thing. The world is full of people who are offended, but the problem is, so is the church. And, and, and here is the situation, and this is the difficulty, and, and God just kind of kicked me right in the head this week with this. You say, oh, he's a loving God. He wouldn't do that. I'm stubborn and hard-headed. When, he, when God talks to me, and I know all of y'all are just delicate, wonderful flowers like Jason here. And... God just whispers so gently to you, and you're just, yeah, and you listen. He don't never have to. You haul off and smack you right upside the head. Now you're putting yourself in the category of an old mule, man. My daddy said there used to be a guy in their community that had a mule and a plow, and he used to plow everybody's gardens for him. And he said when that mule would stop and wouldn't move, he said that old man carried a two-by-four with him. And all the old mule would just stand there, and he'd try to get that mule to move and plow that garden. And finally, he'd just walk around in front of that mule, that two-by-four, take it, and hit him right across the head as hard as he could hit him with the two-by-four, and that mule would go right on to plowing. <laughs> Listen, my Uncle Butch and them, they used to run mules. If you ain't ever dealt with a mule, it, there is a purpose as to why they call you mule-headed. If a mule decides it don't want to go... But dad said, he could, dad said that old man could take that two-by-four and convince that mule to move along. So now you don't put yourself in that category. Uh. But as a Christian, you can get offended, but you're not allowed to stay offended. Oh, but it was a real offense. Sure, it is. I don't, I don't debate that. There are things in life that truly offend you. There are things in life that truly offend me, but just because something actually offends you doesn't mean that we have a right as a Christian to stay offended. See, you know, you can get angry. There's places in the Bible where it talks about righteous anger. Listen, I see things every day that get my righteous anger up. But I can't let it turn into bitterness. Bitterness. See, Christians have to deal with things in a different way. See, I, I, I know that God, God spoke this message to me for me because I see things going on in our world, and you've got to understand something. I'm a very, 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 very black and white person. People are like, oh, the world is full of grace. It's not in my world. It's just not. It's just not. It's, I, 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 I've been that way my whole life. My, my mom and daddy would tell you that way when I was a little kid. It's, this is it. it. Is either this side or that side? There is no, oh, we're all just hearing no we're not. The Bible's not gray. The Bible's black and white. And so I see things in that way. So the problem is when I see things that are, that are, that are contradiction to that, I get mad. The condition of our world today makes me mad. The condition of the world that our children have to grow up in today makes me mad. Here's the problem. I find myself sometimes, if I'm not careful, if I'm not guarding my heart and guarding my thoughts, that I assign that anger to individuals and I get bitter toward those people. Oh, we're going. You might as well just, just buckle in. We're going. I find myself assigning that anger and that bitterness. And once you've assigned anger to a person, I can tell you the very next step is bitterness and or resentment. Anybody in here ever lived in a situation or a place where you were resentful? Yes. Raise your hands so we all can see each other. That's miserable. Yes. You ever been resentful towards somebody? Because And the thing is, once you get to a place where you resent somebody, they cannot do anything right. Yes. right. Oh, wow. It doesn't matter what they do. Somehow or another, it is wrong. Because there's this built up place of resentment that happened because we had anger or we had hurt or we had some type of offense. And instead of dealing with it biblically, we went ahead and let that seed sit a while. See, the problem is if you let that seed sit a while, any seed you let sit a while going to take some roots. And then you start to have your little bitterness tree grow. Or your little resentment tree grow. See, there's people right now that are mad at people. They don't even remember why they got mad at them to start with. I've been mad at that person so long, I don't even really remember why we was in a fight to begin with. I just know I hate them and they're terrible. (laughs) But once I assign that to somebody, None of y'all know what I'm talking about, apparently. The problem is this. Anytime I walk into a situation where I end up in bitterness, or I end up in resentment, or I end up in offense, all I've done is created a prison without walls. Because it literally will do this to you. It will put you where you are, and you cannot move from that point. And no matter how far you try to go, especially if you're trying to walk with God, here's the thing about God. You get about three steps this way, and then that bitterness pulls you right back. That resentment pulls you right back. That anger pulls you right back. Then you try to break out and go a little farther, and where do you end up? Right back in that same place of resentment. Because it's this anchor. It's this jail without walls. And you're being confined there by somebody that most of the time don't even know they have you confined there. And then you give ownership of your life to someone who doesn't deserve it. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor Johnny, what they did. Like they're the only person in the world that sucks. I mean, my problem is I know me. I know, listen, you take Jesus away from me and there is literally not one good thing about me. That's it. So I know me. So I can't look at someone and say, well, you started, they're just a terrible person. So am I. Oh, not y'all, y'all are perfect. Yeah, the t-shirt. Yeah. One night I coined a phrase, I suck without Jesus, and now I made a t-shirt out of it. You got to be careful with Alex because you say certain things. He'll be done, or Miss Sheila. Miss Sheila be making all kinds of t shirts of, of slogans. I'm glad y'all don't follow me around all the time. And I say some things don't need to belong on a t shirt. <laughs> y'all may not know this, but I'm not the most politically correct human. <laughs> not me. I mean, I know you're shocked. I know Jason's shocked. Me and Jason, I've got a little fence over Jason. He ran into me up here in the street, in the in the, the, floor, I mean, the aisle, just ran right into me. And I said, man, don't be throwing your petite body around like that. <laughs> I know you're de- you are a delicate flower. I mean, that's, I got to tell them about Cordova Mall. <laughs> so y'all, y'all, got, y'all ain't going to believe this. <laughs> Jason, stand up. So everybody, just me, any, any new folks don't know who I'm talking about. Jason, stand up. Uh, y'all see, petite body, delicate flower. <laughs> Last week, Jason was uh, going to get his, his daughter a little necklace to replace a complete and total meltdown we had on a Wednesday. He was going to get her a little necklace at the Cordova Mall. He was in the food court at Cordova Mall, and three dudes tried to mug him right in the food court. So I first, the first question I had was, are you okay? Next question I had really was, are they Okay. <laughs> You know, he told me they wa- they he, he kind of well, well, they they left. Let's put it that way. But the real question I had was, who walking through the mall looks at Jay and says, "That's the guy I'm gonna mug." <laughs> I mean, if you ever if you've been to the mall, there are some better options. I mean. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, listen, all I know, there was three of them. Whichever one he got a hold of first, somebody was getting hurt. It didn't. It was just a matter of who the other two might get him, but somebody was going to go through some pain and discomfort. <laughs> but who looks at Jason? That's my guy right there. <laughs> I'm going to go mug him. I wouldn't even fight with him. I'd shoot him. That, listen, I'm too old. These people in this world now, I ain't gonna fight with them. I'm just gonna shoot them if they're big enough. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Thought I'd bring y'all a little bit of humor before we get into the crux of this thing. But I, I, I was, I was in this place this week, and God started talking to me because I was, I was, I was mad, man. I was mad, mad man. And literally, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, how dare you be mad? I said, I started telling him. He said, how dare you be offended? How dare you be resentful? How dare you be bitter? I'm like, well, because of this, this, and this. And so God took me to one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but also one of the ones that I hate a lot. Y'all have any favorite stories that you hate a lot? If you don't, this will be one. It took me to the, to the story of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18. And This story, if you, can, if you can listen to this story and walk out of here wanting to hold on to your resentment, I don't even want to tell you. I really don't. Matthew 18, verse 21. <laughs> then Peter came up to him and said, Lord... How many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as seven times? See, Simon Peter, he was already mad at somebody. That's what it was. Simon Peter was mad. He was already upset with somebody. He's like, Jesus, I got to ask you a question real quick. How long I got to forgive this dude before I whoop his butt? And I'm going to tell you something. Based off of all the other things about Simon Peter in the Bible, that was his plan. Simon Peter wanted to know how many times I forgive this person before I whoop their butt. He is the guy who threw a sword and tried to cut the guy's head off in the garden when they came for Jesus. He cut his ear off because he missed. I used to have a pastor friend of mine who used to say, Well, you notice in the Bible that, that Jesus told Simon Peter to put the sword away, don't throw it away. That wasn't the time, but there is the time, is what Jesus was saying. But Simon Peter said, how many times do I have to forgive this dude? And Jesus answered, I tell you not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. He said, you, know, and this, this, you understand something. The, the, the context in which this was asked was, how many times do I have to forgive this person for doing this in a day? He said, do I have to forgive them seven times for doing the same thing in a day? He said, no, not seven. Seven times 70. 490 times. 490 times. The proper response of the Christian is when someone does something to offend you, you have to forgive them 490 times for the same offense in the same day. No, bro, we got our fool me once. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We got all our little sayings. Three strikes and you're out. I'll give you one more chance. That's how most people are. Parents nowadays, they count to 312 before they whoop a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you are a counter, I have news for you. Your kid can count to three too. What that means is they're going to do everything they want to do up until two and a half, and then they're going to quit right before you get to three. They have you well trained. (laughs) One. Two, two and a half, uh-uh. I'm almost certain my daddy couldn't count to three. <laughs> daddy didn't, there was no counting. Boy, don't do that. You go do it, you get your butt whooped. The response to my daddy was, boy, don't do that. Yes, sir. One. 14, 15, 16. The kid's going to be 18 and out of the house by the time you finally count high enough to whoop them. (laughs) I don't like, nah, I, I can't go there. I ain't got time. Up to 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. He told Simon Peter, he said, hey, listen up. I told you to forgive me 490 times for the same offense. Now I'm going to tell you, show you what that kind of looks like. I want, he told Simon Peter, I'm going to show you what the gravity, what the breadth of forgiveness that you're supposed to offer looks like. I got to tell you all something. I'm going to read you all this story and let you all know in advance I ain't there yet. I'm not there yet. But I ain't got no choice but to try to get there. See, because the thing is, once you know, see the thing about this Bible is, once you know anything you do in opposition to it is direct disobedience to the Word of God, and you can choose that path, but you can't say it's you can't say, oh well, I, you, there there is no justification. I, I'm telling you, I've tried to find them. I've deeply searched for the ifs, the if clauses of the Bible. I can't find the if clause. I've looked for the justifications for feeling the way that I felt, even though the Bible told me my feelings were wrong. But I just don't feel that way, Pastor Johnny. The Bible don't care how you feel. It doesn't. I read through the Bible, and there's no place in it where it says, if this hurts your feelings, son, you don't have to do it. <laughs> if this is too difficult, you don't have to do it. Did Have you all found that verse? If it be too hard, <laughs> thy not have to do it. The book of Colmpians, 1 half and 14. <laughs> Somewhere in there, if it's difficult, I don't have to do it. But Jesus said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And Amplified tells you it was about 10 million dollars. And because he could not pay his master, because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed in payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees begging him, Have patience with me and I will pay everything. If you don't understand why, what I read there is in Bible times, if you owed someone and you couldn't pay your debt, they could sell your family. Might lend you a little bit of indication as to why the Apostle Paul says, Owe no one anything except love probably also tells you why the Bible scripture that said the debtor is the borrower the the, the borrower is the servant to the lender because he was because at any point when you couldn't pay the debt that you owed, they could have your entire family sold all your possessions and have you put in jail for it that's kind of rough I mean that that is a next level collection agency right there (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's more than a Pestry 800 number right there buddy So the attendant fell on his knees, verse 26, begging him, Have patience with me, and I'll pay everything. And, the ma- and his master's heart was moved with compassion. And he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. Wow. Listen, man, if, if if we had a thing sweep across this this, this, this uh, church right here, where every one of your debtors called you to every person in this church and canceled everything you owe, it'd be the first time you really saw this place worship. <laughs> Hey, I'm just being honest. You see some showing up here. I'm not emotional. Have everybody you owe money to call you up and say, you don't owe a dime. All forgiven. You see some emotion. People be, man, listen. I people be doing back hand springs down the aisle. Miss <laughs> Kim wouldn't even have her spot no more. Maybe knocked her down out of the way. But this guy owed $10 million. And the master said, You know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Forgiven all that he owed, all the debt that kept him awake at night, all the worry, all the anxiety. I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all, please stay with me. All the frustration, all the angst, forgiven all of it. Walked out of there not carrying any burden, yeah. nothing. Oh, nothing. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him hundred dinari, twenty dollars. Owed him twenty dollars. And he caught him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. Y'all don't wow too hard. We won't bring this thing back around home. So his fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you. But he was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then the master called him and said to him, You contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And when wrath his master turned him over to the jailers till he, could, till he should pay all that he owed. Verse 35. So also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Jesus used this story because it's a perfect example of the of the situation that God forgave us of our sin. of our hostility toward God, of our sin nature. He literally picked us up from darkness and translated us into light. He forgave anything. He forgave everything. And then we look at people who say something that is offensive to us, and we lock them away till they make it right. Do you know why God used this? Because you know know Alex had no way to make it right with God? Watch this, I want you to understand something, because that's what we like. Well, as soon as they make it right. As yeah. soon as they apologize, like I think they should apologize. See, do you know what God's talking about, what Jesus is talking about here, our relationship with God? I had no ability to make it right. Jesus had to lay his life down. On. Jesus, 1 the, the, the Corinthians 5, 21 says, he had to become sin. So that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus had to take that sin on the cross. Crucify that sin. So I could be brought into right relationship with God. So that all of my sin could be forgiven. I couldn't do it. So why is it we expect the people around us to make it right before we forgive? You say, well you don't understand what they did. I'm telling you it doesn't matter what they did. Now, now let me clarify what I'm fixing to tell you. If someone has hurt you, you don't have to go back and be friends with them. But you cannot hold on to that grudge. Under the word of God, you cannot. I cannot walk around offended. I cannot walk around bitter. I cannot walk around constantly angry. I cannot do it and be walking with God like I'm supposed to. And it's not about what they come and do. It doesn't really have anything to do with them. Me walking in forgiveness, me me walking being unwilling to be offended, doesn't have anything to do with the person who offends or the person who has mistreated me. It has nothing to do with them. I watch people who lay out of church all the time because they were hurt in church. I was hurt in church. So what? So what? And if you ever come and tell me, I don't know if I can come to church because I've been hurt in church, my response would be, so what? So don't go to that one. I mean, in case you hadn't noticed, on the way here, there's a bunch of churches. So don't go to that one. I mean, I've eaten some bad food at restaurants. You know what I do? I go to a different restaurant. I don't swear off eating. Man, I got bad service at that restaurant. I ain't never eating again. That restaurant's full of hypocrites. I ain't never eating again. He's like, I ain't going to that one. Because I still need food. You mean you still need food? You still need fellowship? You still need spiritual feeding? There are people who can never even get on and have other friendships and relationships with their life because they're so buried in their own bitterness and resentment that they go ahead into a situation anticipating and expecting to be hurt. Do you, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather go through life being constantly hurt than go through life so cynical that I never help anyone. But I watch people who never engage on any kind of a level because they're like, well, I was hurt in this situation. I was hurt in this situation. Well, then you're just being imprisoned and kept away from your God given abilities and your God given calling because of what if? Because of a what if? I see people all the time who are in relationships with people, and they carry all the baggage from the former relationship into the new relationship, and they just expect the person's going to do the same thing the other person did. See, here's the problem. Now you're putting the, 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 the bitterness and the, the resentment you have here on someone who didn't actually have anything to do with it. Who didn't actually have anything to do with it. Because what happens is, if you get to the point where you live enough in offense, you just project it everywhere. See what's happened in our world is we've started this whole like just just um, snowball of offense, and everybody's got to get on the, on the on the on the snowball. Everybody's got to get offended, and just you know it's like, well, I'm sorry, well, I, that's fine, I, I, I forgive you. I'm gonna go find something else to be offended about. The church is the same way. I mean, the church had this big hullabaloo like so many years ago about Starbucks' cups. If you're offended by a coffee cup, you're just stupid. It's a coffee cup. Well, they didn't recognize Christmas. They don't care about Jesus. They're just trying to make money selling you $6 cup coffee. I say that I mean, I'm dead serious. It's the the, the, the the stupid things we're offended by. Well, they, I just I can't believe they said such a thing. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, if you are offended because someone says something stupid, listen. Let me tell you something. I expect stupid people to say stupid things. What did he say? Because now I just like you call Craig stupid. I know he said something, <laughs> huh? Oh, listen. Let me tell you something. Here's here's the deal. You gotta understand something. There are there are there are two people, three because my wife has to live with me now, but there are two people in this church that can say anything they want to at any time. One of them is my mama because she had to raise me. The other is Craig Seymour because he was my youth pastor. No matter what, no matter when they want to say something, they can say something. But it's kind of like you don't get mad at the sun for shining. You don't get mad at people for saying stupid things. But look what it'll do to us. Look what it's done to our society and our world. Look what it's done to the church. The church is constantly, the, the American church is constantly trying to find some way where it's being persecuted. Stop. The American church is not being persecuted. Persecution is what happens whenever ISIS cuts the heads off of people for professing their faith. That's persecution. The junk we have going on in our world right now and in our country right now, that's not persecution. That's just people who don't agree with you. But our response is, how can I hold on to unforgiveness when I've been forgiven so much? How can I walk around, eat up on the inside with bitterness and anger and frustration And resentment when I've been forgiven so much. Do you know, no one will ever wrong me in the way that the human race wronged God. But yet God, so rich in His mercy, said, I'm going to take my only son and offer him up as a sacrifice so that I can buy back mankind. So that I have the ability, God said, I just want to be able to forgive. You know, oh, it's so hard to forgive. Is it harder than watching your own son take on the sin of the world? See, I think think what you have to understand, and what we fail to understand sometimes, is the whole purpose of God crucifying Christ on the cross was to make it where God could forgive. Now, y'all, follow me through this here just for a few seconds. We all look at it as God offered Jesus as a sacrifice and then I went and asked asked for forgiveness from God. No, God made it available to forgive all of mankind by going to the ultimate sacrifice of putting all of sin on his son. That is the length that God went to to be able to forgive man even if that man rejects him. To offer forgiveness, knowing that a a larger portion of humanity will reject it, than accept it. He went to those lengths to say, I'm going to offer forgiveness to Alex, but then we'll hold on to ours? It's too hard to forgive? Is it harder than having to turn your back on your only son as he hangs on the cross with the sin of all mankind on him? Is it harder than that? Is it more difficult than that? We don't think about it like that. That God went to that length. That God went to that way. That he went that far so that he could forgive. Wow. Wow. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people throughout human history that will not even accept the forgiveness. Because, it was, because it's the whole point. The forgiveness offered is not dependent on what the other person does with it. You offering forgiveness to people who have wronged you has nothing to do with how they respond to that. And if they don't respond the way you want them to, that then is on them. I'm fixing to be finished, but I want to touch on this just a second. Jesus told Simon Peter something very specific there in the beginning. He says, you're supposed to do this every day. Because, see, here's what happens. Everybody has these things in our lives that have hurt us from a long time ago, and we all want to lay those down. Well, what Simon Peter said, he said, how often do I need to forgive Jesus said, every day as it comes up. Every day as it comes up. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you wait till you let it sit and seed, if you wait till you got to come down to the altar and cry and squall, I'm telling you. The reason he told Simon Peter what he told him, because it's a whole lot easier when someone offends you to say, you know what? I forgive. I'm going to go and walk on walk, walk my life. I'm going to go do me than it is to say, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. And then think about it. And then dwell on it. And then worry about it. And then for long, for long, you got years of this stuff built up. you got to look yourself in the mirror every day, and I, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive this person. So God told Simon Peter, go ahead and just do that. Go ahead and just do that. And then carry on the life that God called you to. Instead of looking around trying to figure out a way where I can be upset, I know this wasn't a whole lot of fun. Oh, it's right out of the Bible. It can't help but be good. All I had to do is read it to you. All I had to do is read it to you. Hey, listen, that is a high praise. I didn't mess it up. Thank you. That's about as good as it gets. I did not mess it up. Did you hear that, Tiffany? Tiffany, I did, not me- I did not mess it up. Hey, I appreciate it. That was, that was some high praise. You didn't mess it up. I read good. <laughs> Y'all stand with me. And now normally when I would do this, We'd have this, Janet come play, and we'd have this big thing where everybody come to pray at the altar and leave their unforgiveness at the altar, but I don't care about doing that today. I don't care about doing that today. Because if you got to come cry at the altar every time you got to forgive, you miss the whole point of what I'm talking about. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, here's, here's, here's the thing. This year, what God's told me, we're doing a men's group with Garrison and the Women of Worth. We're, right, we're, we're developing people. We're going to mature people. And part of maturing is you not having to come cry every time something happens in your life. I'm just putting that out here where we're at. Some of that is, is willing to say, okay, this is what, you know what maturing in Christ means? The Bible says that, so I'll do that. You know when I knew my son was maturing as, as a man? Whenever everything wasn't an argument. Whenever everything wasn't an argument. When it was, okay, go do this, yes, sir. That's when I knew he was maturing. When it wasn't, let's sit here and have a discussion. You ever got, you, y'all got your kids in the debate stage? If you ain't got your kid in the debate stage, let me tell you something. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, they're going to debate. And I'm going to tell you something, you need to be on your toes. Because your kid is probably smarter than you are. And they will get you twisted up and you will mess up that debate. And then you end up with the old parent line, because I said so. (laughs) Because I said so. The because I said so line is always whatever. You have run out of good arguments. And they have asked better questions. You're like, because I said to do it. The good news is it still works. Because you still pay for the food and the electrical bill and the Wi-Fi and all that. Yeah. My daddy, he didn't have much of the because I said so. My daddy was very, very, very resolute with, as long as you put your feet under my table and sleep under my roof, you're just going to do what I tell you to do. Right. And there was no discussion about that. That was how it was. He said, I pay the bills, I make the rules. If you're a kid here, that's how it's supposed to be. Because I can tell you something, you don't want to try to live paying your own bills. So I told people, my daddy became the smartest man I ever met in my life when I turned about 24. Yeah. After about three or four years of getting kicked in the face on a regular basis, I'm like, my God, my daddy was smart. <laughs> you are, aren't you? I Your mean, girls are old I enough mean, now that you're brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, you like the smartest person that ever lived. <laughs> That was right there for all you out there that think parenting is a thankless job. There's a lot of thanks. They just come way later. Hang in there. Hang in there. 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 (laughs) Wow. I love the fact that we can have fun and laugh. Amen. Amen. But, yeah, it's not about coming down here and whining and crying. It's not. Because once you get over the emotion, you still got to walk it out. It's about every day you just say, you know what? For a while, I'm just going to start getting up in the morning and saying, "Today today I refuse to be offended. Today I refuse to be offended. Today I refuse to get mad about something I have no control over. Today I refuse to get upset about something that's above my pay grade, that's in God's hands. Because at the end of the day, I can either do it the way the word says and have a testimony, or I can do it the way I want to and ruin my testimony. That's it. At the end of the day, I can either have a I can either have a testimony that lines up with the word or I can ruin my testimony with how I feel about it. Oh, there have been a lot of times I've told Brandy, I said, I'm so grateful the Lord made me a pastor, because I'd have just made an idiot of myself in that store. <laughs> If I were afraid, of, I'll tell you all a little funny thing about my daddy. I've always remembered this. We were playing t-ball. I was, I don't know, about six or so, I guess. And my daddy, well, me, me and my daddy, we took our sports very seriously, like from five years old. I mean, I was, I, if, my, if, the ball, if the ball, if I was on the field and I couldn't catch it, I was mad about it. I mean, that's just how it was. And my daddy was a world-class umpire and referee heckler. Now listen, let me tell you something. They ought to have retired my daddy's picture at the high school I went to. He was that good. Daddy had, Daddy had other schools when tournaments when we weren't playing offer him money to cheer for them just to heckle referees. No, I'm not kidding you. Mama used to always get mad. She said, John, why do you wait till it gets so quiet to yell at the ref? And what she means, I mean, daddy'd wait till the gym was silent and yell at the ref. And my daddy said, because he can't hear me when everybody else is hollering. <laughs> <clears throat> but we was playing t-ball over Mary Esther. And uh, if, you ever, if you ever played t-ball, if the ball, if the, if the player hits the, used to, I don't know, w- w- rules have gotten stupid. J.C. Sheets was telling me about his daughter's softball league, some of their rules. I'm like, that's craziness. I mean, I'm all for trying to make every kid feel like they can play ball, but sometimes it just is what it is. <laughs> But in T ball back then, if you hit the T instead of the ball, it's a dead ball. Uh, yeah. So we're playing this team over in Mary Esther, and literally the kid hits the ball in, over the shortstop's head into left field. An umpire called it a dead ball. Oh. Yeah. My daddy said, You tell me that kid hit the T and hit it to left field? Yeah. And the umpire said, I said it's a dead ball and it's a dead ball. And my dad said, Well, you're not the Pope. <laughs> Well, about I don't know, three or four weeks later, on a Wednesday night, that umpire walked into our church in Navarre. And my daddy said, Don't I know you? And that umpire said, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> so I've always remembered that anytime I've out in public in something. Pastor Jason says that we need to have a podcast about what grinds my gears with Pastor Johnny, whatever the weekly grind of my gears is. So something grinds my gears, as Jason puts it. I always remember I'm a pastor at church, and I'm liable to have somebody come walking into my church. So I got to make sure I keep my testimony intact. <laughs> that is not the only reason, but yeah, sometimes it is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the best way to keep the testimony intact, is do what the Word says. Do what the Word says. Y'all put your hand in neighbor next to you, pray however God leads you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your Word, God. We thank you for a Word that is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It illuminates where we are and it illuminates where we're going, God. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness that you offered us, God, when we were all so unworthy. Lord, that you would give us that capacity to forgive others, God, not to hold on to grudges, not to hold on to offenses, not to hold on to resentment or bitterness, God, but to, to let it go. Lord, to let our testimony shine, Lord, to let you through us shine to people that we can walk unoffended. Lord, help us to be unoffendable, God. Lord, that our lives glorify you, that our lives reflect you, that our lives honor you, God. Lord, that you keep us safe and keep us protected as we leave this place. Give us divine appointments till we come together again. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. amen. Hug someone's neck and you can be dismissed. <laughs> And nobody threw anything at me.